Welcome to the Competitive Advantage Podcast. The mission of this podcast is to provide free content to prepare high school students for the path of life, thus giving them a competitive advantage. Archbishop Alter High School is proud to serve as your host for this program. Hi, today I'm fortunate to be speaking with Sharon Talarczyk, who is the director of the Taylor Resource Center here at Archbishop Alter High School. There are many impressive facts that could be shared relative to the center, but probably the most impressive is the correlation between the inception of the center and scholarship growth. When the center opened in 2009, the graduating class of 2010 amassed $3.3 million in scholarships offered, and last year the class of 2017 was offered $19.5 million in scholarship. Really impressive growth by any standard. And I know a lot of factors played into that growth, but the things that are taught, learned, and shared here in the Taylor Resource Center are an important piece. Uh, today on the Competitive Advantage, we want to pass along some of that information to all of you. So let's jump on in. Sharon, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you, Rick. So the first question I have is, um, and I've actually seen this in action in areas of organization and time management. I know you help a lot of students individually with this skill. What are a few tips or tricks that you could pass on to our listeners to help them in this area? Right. So anytime a student starts high school and they have a lot more classes, a lot more teachers to try to organize, you know, it can be a challenge. So number one, I tell kids, you just can't rely on your memory anymore. You can't go through a whole school day and at the end of the day, sit there and say, oh, yeah, math. I think I have math, maybe English. Because the bell rings, they either have a club, a sport, a bus is waiting for them, a parent. So they need somewhere that they can quickly have that information. So what I encourage all kids to do is to use a planner. And that might be an actual physical notebook Mm -hmm. that they carry around, some kind of little journal, um, or on their laptop. So that's just somewhere to organize what their daily homework is and then to have reminders about an upcoming test or a long-term project. So folders, and I'm speaking specifically on two different children that I saw. One used the folders on their computer in the in the saved area and then the other ones use like colored folders actually in their backpack right and that's sort of are those those are sort of two di- whatever you're more comfortable with whatever you have access to they might be able to use one of those two ways how how do you have them organize you know folders whether they're on their computer or in the backpack right so they just need to find something that works for them so if a parent says or goes out and buys all these different, you know, coordinating or a three ring binder or whatever that might work for that parent, but that may not be the best way for the child. So the student needs to work with parent. The parent can certainly suggest things. Mm -hmm. And some things that I have suggested to kids would be maybe a three ring binder. You might have a morning binder with, you know, separated by dividers with each class. Um, and then an afternoon binder, which they could easily switch out, uh, at lunchtime, some prefer kids like an accordion file folder that you've seen, you know, oh, yeah. you open it up yeah. and then each different subject is labeled and then they can put everything in there. The handouts, you know, because some teachers might three hole punch things, some teachers may not. And then this way you don't have to worry about that. Um, some kids just like having a, a separate pocket folder and then a coordinating same color, um, you know, smaller individual like three ring notebook. So it, it really doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. just has to be something that they 
feel comfortable with and that they can use and the organization makes sense to them. So it's not going to be something that the parent can pick anymore. It's just finding a strategy that the kid enjoys and works. Oh, that's great. Um, so in grade school, um, you mentioned, you know, the parents working side by side with the kid. I know parents seem to handle most of the communication with teachers. And now all of a sudden here in high school, that responsibility begins to shift to the student. Um, what advice would you give regarding both helping parents and children in that, that shift? Right. It is vital at this stage, you know, starting freshman year to have students take responsibility for those kind of communications because, you know, they'll get older, they get into college. If they're a college student, no one at the college will even speak to the parent. Right. You know, they're, they're legal adults and, and legally they can't. So it has to start now. And what I would encourage the parent is to, you can talk to the child. So about what they need to communicate with their, mm -hmm. their teachers. So if, if they know, or it could be a coach, like if they know they're, they're going to miss a practice or they're going to be late, parents should not be emailing or texting the coach. That should be done from the student or the athlete and little things like that. And sometimes even helping a student sit down and compose the email. Now you're not, you shouldn't write it for them, mm -hmm. but say, well, what, what do you want your teacher to know? Oh, that you maybe, maybe you're trying to arrange an extra little tutoring session with the teacher. So, okay, you need to explain, you know, you need to ask when they're available and what exactly you're struggling with and, you know, make sure that you, you uh, thank them for their, their time. Um, so giving them some hints of how to do it, but let the student do it because that's just one of those skills that, that kids need to learn. And I think we as parents, and I have three sons of my own, and I know, you know, sometimes you, you want to just do these things for them because you know, in some aspects you can do it faster, easier, mm -hmm. maybe better, but they're never going to learn those skills if you're always doing it for them. Yeah. Plus we've been doing it for sometimes eight years in a row, sending those right. emails, making those phone calls, and then... Just kind of giving your child a nudge to start to do it on their own is really important, isn't it? Exactly. And, and I kind of thought I was always, my oldest son is a junior at Ohio State, and, and I thought I, you know, was really pretty um, good about allowing him to, to tackle those mm -hmm. things himself. But I think it was really driven home when he, they make that switch to college when he was a college freshman. He was taking a class called London Honors, where they studied all about London and its society and history and culture. And then they, uh, classmates and some of the instructors went to London during win winter break. And I kept thinking, okay, well, any day now I'm going to see an itinerary and I'm going <laughs> to see a list of things you're going to do and right. these parent communications like he was still under my roof and, you know, 17, you know, years old. And then I realized, oh, he's an adult. I'm never going to see any of this travel stuff anymore. So, yeah, sometimes it's kind of a, a little bit of a rude awakening. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little bit of training for a parent and cold, child. Cold water on the face for yes, that one, right? Yeah. exactly. Great. We hear the phrase a lot, especially, I mean, college, freshman year, but even as now as early as freshman year, we hear the phrase guarding your GPA thrown around a lot. What exactly does that mean? I mean, it's intuitive a little, but what does it mean and why is it probably one of the most important things that we can stress to a freshman? Well, I actually like to think of it better as achieving the highest possible GPA. So doing whatever a student needs to do, which for a freshman is going to be turning in all their work on time. Mm -hmm. You know, don't have your grade 
be lowered, not because maybe the quality of the work isn't there, but just because it's habitually late. Mm -hmm. Making sure that they study really thoroughly for tests, taking advantage of any retake or test correction opportunities that a teacher may present, any extra credit. So starting with a really strong foundation, with a strong GPA your freshman year is just critical. And, And I think a lot of students don't realize that if they don't do some of those, you know, strategies I just said and end up, you know, kind of in the hole, it's really hard to dig yourself out of. It can be done. You're going to see an improvement in that GPA as your grades improve, but it may never get to where you want it to be just because you started off, you know, at a lower point. I sometimes think back, and again, this is a long time ago, but I was on quarters when I was in college and I graduated after four years with a 312, which, you know, that's, that's fine. That's workable. But I always think my first quarter of my freshman year, I got straight C's. And again, back to using the phrase ice water on my face, digging out of that 2.0 straight C uh, first quarter of my college life, you know, playing college football, trying to balance everything. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was a battle uphill the rest of the way. And I sometimes think, and I was advice I passed on all my kids was start strong. Uh, it's a lot easier than uh, trying to recover for the next two or three years. Oh, exactly. And, and I tell the students the same thing. Um, you know, I look back my freshman year of high school, um, I didn't do, you know, horribly, but I didn't do the best I could. And for me, it was, I just had no idea how to prepare for semester exams. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just winged it, didn't study very hard. And then was like you, you know, had a couple of C's, rest were fine, you know, A's and B's, but just trying to get, and even though I started getting mostly A's and pretty much all A's by the time I was a senior, I could never get it to where I wanted it to be starting early. It's just the strongest. So I kind of like, I like the idea about achieving, you know, I think guarding your GPA, you want kids to take classes that are going to challenge them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important. Colleges like to see that, that you've the strength of their schedule. So when I hear guarding the GPA, I do get a little concerned. You know, you don't want a student to take just the easiest road possible uh, to get the highest grades because colleges will see, well, you had honors classes you didn't take or you had advanced placement classes you didn't take. I like that. So, you know, I think it's best to try to achieve the best possible GPA with a class that is going to challenge you, but not one that you're going to be overwhelmed by. Good. Well, let's change gears a little bit. We have freshmen. They've entered high school. College seems really far off, yet at the same time, it sort of feels like a daunting process to even start. And what advice or what information would you pass along for how how do you recommend that people even begin the college search? Right. It, it seems kind of strange, but the more I've been working in the Taylor Center with students and, the, and just helping my own children, my, I have a senior as well uh, in high school and then a freshman in high school, um, I begin to think of it more as maybe what do you want to do when you grow up? Looking at like the end result and then working backwards. Mm. So if a student has some inkling of what they'd like to do for a career, and even if they don't know exactly what kind of job, but maybe something in healthcare or maybe something in business or in design, then you can explore those careers. 
And there's various ways. There's some great, you know, online career inventories that students can take that match up their skills and their interests to, to jobs. And then take a look at, well, what majors get you there? Because okay. I don't think students realize that, you know, you could have three or four different majors all end up in a similar occupation. And then what schools offer those majors? I love that phrase, begin with the end in mind. So it's sort of like what you're asking the student to do is start to look at what is the end goal. What do they what do they want to study? Uh, what career, what degree might they want to pursue at some point? And then back it up and then begin researching that way rather than just throwing a dartboard, dart at a dartboard saying, I'll try this school. Let's see if they have what I like. Right. Start, exactly. Start to think about what I like and what I want to do. Right. Then where I go becomes a little clearer. Right. And you, I always tell kids now that's not to say and don't panic because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was an undeclared major. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I went to college. And you don't have to know. That's fine. You don't have to know exactly. You're going to be taking a lot of general education credits. However, if you at least have an inkling, that's helpful. Right. Um, I've been working with a student who's a freshman and she's very passionate about marine biology. Well, that's great to know. Right. I mean, she's she's going to look at the coast, both coast. You know, she's not going to be looking at, you know, maybe Ohio State or University of Dayton. They're just not going to offer that major. So if you just kind of know that, like if you know it's something very specific and then you're going to have to really look at a specific school to to obtain that degree, that's the best um, How do they start finding those kinds of schools? Do, I mean, Google seems kind of cliche to say Google it, but is there right. are there are there other tools that you've had kids look at, or is there a career inventory that you like? I mean, mm-hmm. some of those little tools that are out there for for people to utilize. What are what are some of those tools? Right. So as far as researching a career, probably the site that I like the best here in Ohio is called Ohio Career Information Systems. And it's something students can come and, and take in our center, for example. There's a couple different profiles. There's one that I like to use for freshmen and sophomores that are more kind of personality and skill kind of based questions. Okay. Um, and another one is more kind of workplace scenario type questions I like to use for more juniors and seniors. But they both will get the students to a cluster of jobs. So again, like healthcare or business or engineering. And then from there, you know, computer science. And then you, from there, it'll list all the different types of occupations. Oh, wow. And the thing that's really great is from there, then it just keeps opening out. It's like an onion, just keep peeling the layers back. But you could look at things like what are common work activities? Because a student might know of a job, you know, they might have heard the term mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, occupational therapy. I, I think I kind of know what that is. But on a day to day basis, what does an occupational therapist do? Mm-hmm. You know, are they traveling? Are they working in a in a home? Do they go? Do they have, you know, a hospital setting? They, You know, exactly what do they do? And then education and training. What's the level of education and training involved? Um, also gives information about wages here in Ohio. And then you can also check any state and look throughout the country as well as what's the occupation outlook. You know, is it a growing field? Is it, you know, moderate kind of give you an idea of the annual openings. And finally, the, what I really love are, is a section called helpful high school courses. Oh, so wow. what are classes that, you know, if they're a freshman or sophomore or even a junior and they take this assessment and they 
start to think, oh yeah, you know, interior design really sounds interesting to me. What are some classes they should be looking for to take in their remaining mm -hmm. years in high school to kind of prepare them for that idea? Another um, way, if they want to do it old school, there are, there is a book called The Book of Majors, yeah. <laughs> which sounds kind of funny, <laughs> but appropriately named. But, you know, again, it, it discusses what the major is, what you study, what careers link to that major, and then what are other majors in a similar vein. And then you can look at what school. It'll show you every school in the country broken down by state that has a bachelor's, a master's, or a doctorate. Oh, program. that's what I was going to ask. So the book of the book of majors, book of majors, and then they <laughs> connect you to the schools right. where they. Wow. Mm -hmm. Is there an online version of, of that that does that connection? I don't know if that specific one does. Yeah. That's through the College Board, but you know many of the the career interests, you know, research kind of sites that I was talking about have then links, links to, to the there's a whole, one of the best is called my majors Okay. and that's online. Great. Kids can do an assessment and then can start to research what schools have that major. So I was a, I was a recruiter for 12 years and that was even when I did some work with, um, college kids, um, even some seniors in high school, I would steer them to the job boards if they were interested in engineering or, like you said, the the health information systems or the biosciences or, and I would have them look up the jobs and read the job descriptions right. and read the requirements for the job. And then it would almost, like you said, create that path for them. They would know where the jobs were, the to geographic areas around the country where those jobs existed, how much they paid, what the required training was, the daily job duties, and they could kind of get a sense for, is this something I want to do? And is this something I can do? And how do I then get there? So right. those job boards are great. I know Indeed is a really, really popular one now, mm -hmm. but the same thing, just encourage kids to go look at those, look right. at the job that you want to do and see if it's of interest to you. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing I, I tell students then, if you know, if you find something you're really interested in, and I can, you know, help them as well. Let's look for summer camps or, you know, maybe oh, right. people in that their parents know or in their community or through their church that would be a great person to shadow, you know, just or to volunteer in that mm -hmm. area. So just that little bit of hands on where they can kind of see, you know, on a day to day basis. Again, what what does that job entail? Because, um, you know, I like to tell them. You shouldn't think of it as a job, like, oh, I have to go to work tomorrow. You know, not every day is going to be perfect, as yeah. we know, but you should love what you want to do. Because right. I said, otherwise, it's a long time. Yeah, that's the phrase, <laughs> isn't it? Up. It's uh, find a job you love and you'll never work a day the rest of your life. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly. So the last question, and I know you've you hit a few of these, but they've worked backwards. They now know what they want to do, maybe where they want to do it. And now they're sort of beginning to do that that school research. What are the best ways or the best tools to use to begin to actually dive in and research schools? Right. So there are many kind of online resources that they can use, whether it be through the College Board, through Peterson's, and um, CapEx is a great one as well. And for most of those, they would create kind of an account and a profile and then again, if they have an interest in mine or a major in mine, and then it can it acts as a filter. You can filter out the size of school. Do you want it to be, you know, coeducational? Do you want it to be a religious affiliation, urban, rural, student size? You know, just just to kind of get some ideas. Now, obviously, a lot of kids are going to look at 
schools that are probably within their state and financially, you know, if they're attending a public school, that's going to be their best value. So um, many students will look kind of regionally, but some definitely know they want to go out of state. And so researching a little bit about the school, you know, using these tools to filter out and then go to their websites. But, I, you know, I often tell the kids, I would go to the website after you, you kind of know it. it's checked some of your boxes mm -hmm. because as we all know, the websites are fabulous and every picture is going to be beautiful and everything, you know, is going to be great. And sometimes there's almost too much information. It can be overwhelming to some kids when they're just trying to find out, you know, a little bit of information. Another thing they should look at and some of the sites I mentioned actually have, you can put in some of your test scores your GPA, if you've taken the ACT or SAT, and they can give you kind of a probability of, you know, your acceptance based on their last oh, freshman that's class. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's important. And, and, you know, we even just have some print resources that I use with kids, whether it's a, a directory of Ohio public and private schools, one that's called the college handbook, which is from the college board. And the nice thing about that is they will give you just a little bit of fast facts. What are the enrollment? What's the campus type? You know, what's the cost of attendance? What's the freshman profile from the year before? So again, what's that mid 50% GPA who are admitted the mid 50% range for ACT or SAT? Just so kids can kind of start to get an idea about where their chances are. Yeah. Plus, um, again, it goes back to the, the GPA thing we talked about. If they understand where they need to be, right. then they're going to stay focused even as early as their freshman or sophomore year, sophomore year, making sure that they stay on track. Exactly. So that sort of leads me to my last question. It could just be a little catch-all, but um, what, what are some of the most important things that a freshman or sophomore in high school can do now if their goal is to attend the college of their choice? Right. I think number one is develop good study habits. You know, this is still a time in high school, you're going to make mistakes. Teachers know it. Parents should remember it mm -hmm. because they did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I did, right? You did. Right. We heard about you. And my, I'm just the same way my freshman year. So develop these now because when they do go to college, you know, mom and dad's not going to be there to remind them to study for this or bring their math book home or whatever it is. So develop those study habits. The second is to achieve that best GPA possible just to give the student the best possible, you know, choices for schools. And I would say get involved, you know, get involved in high school, take the opportunities that are there, whether it's a sport, a club, a service, you know, a part-time job. Colleges like to see that students have been involved and they like to see that they've taken advantage of the opportunities. I think they know that kids are busy. So it's okay if you really are into, let's say, one thing, really into dance and you haven't done many scholastic type of sports, you know, through your school, that's fine. But they want to see that you've been, you've stuck with something, at least one thing, and that you're passionate about okay. it. And I tell kids too, don't overlook high school. It's such a fabulous time. You know, don't be looking at high school as just a vehicle to, to get to college. You know, it's a lot of wonderful memories you're going to have and hopefully some lifelong friends. And it's just kind of a time to, to finish that. I wouldn't say finish, but continue with your maturity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't overlook it. Enjoy it. Great. Well, this has been really, really helpful information. I hope we can circle back with you. I think there's some other areas that we obviously want to move towards with stuff in the junior and senior year. But I want to thank you for your time uh, kind of kicking this thing off and helping some of our freshmen and sophomore uh, students and families 
gain a competitive advantage. Well, great. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's edition of The Competitive Advantage. Please be sure to click on the show notes for supplementary materials and helpful links to more information from today's podcast. We want to make this as interactive and as valuable as possible. So if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or ideas for future episodes, please email us at podcast at alterhs.org. Thank you again for joining us.